take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs, please. Proverbs chapter 7. And we're going backwards tonight because I accidentally skipped over some verses. I had I was a sermon I was a week ahead in my sermon preparation. And, uh, and so I looked at the last sermon that I had written rather than the one before and I got it messed up. Before I forget, I am going to put for privacy's sake, I'll cover it up, but I'm going to put a little offering in there for you, Brother Neil, to go towards your trip. Proverbs chapter 7, God willing, will be expounding verses 5 through 9 tonight. Proverbs chapter 7, verses 5 through 9. The title of the message is, Walking the Dark Streets. Walking the Dark Streets. In the previous verses, a couple of weeks ago, Solomon told us to keep God's commandments. And he told us, if you'll remember, to bind them on our fingers, to write them on our hearts, and to call them our family members. And now in verse 5, Solomon says, we should do this, verse 5, that they, that is the commandments expressed in these Proverbs, may keep thee from the strange woman. Last night, I asked Miss Hensley, I said, where are you reading that, Miss Hensley? She said, the New Testament. And uh, just general, she's probably reading all over it. And uh, I said, well, we're in Hosea on Sunday morning and we're in Proverbs on Wednesday night. She says, Proverbs will tell you how to keep away from those bad women. <laughs> and I said, yes, we're, we're all over that right now. And uh, I said, but also tell you how to find a good one too. But, uh, but the commandments expressed in these Proverbs, he said, will keep you from the strange woman. The strange woman, of course, uh, being a woman who's strange to you because she doesn't belong to you. She's strange because she's foreign to your family. She's not your wife. And she's many times another man's wife. <clears throat> So she does not belong to you, and thus she should not be embraced by you, Solomon says. Nevertheless, we need something to keep her from us, or keep us from her. Why? Like a, like a fence, you know, like a boundary. We've got to have something to put some distance between us and this woman and protect us from her. Because although she is very harmful... To us, she can still be nonetheless very attractive to us and thus difficult for a man to resist. So Solomon said, These wise commandments will help keep us, look back in your text, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Now, interesting that. Solomon says the commandments will help keep you from this strange woman. And then he immediately describes her as a woman who flatters with her words. In other words, that's the draw. That's the attraction. The number one attraction he's mentioning here. And notice that her draw to this man is her words and the protection to keep her from this, uh, to keep him from this woman. Are God's words. 
Words that lure him in and destroy him. Words that keep him away and preserve him. But either way, whether it is for his preservation or for his destruction, it's all about words. Remember in the Garden of Eden, same scenario. God gave him words, thou shalt not. Satan gave them words, but you really should, and here's why. Words to keep him from destruction, words that brought him to destruction. And it's all a matter of which words you're going to listen to. A lot of times the reason the world has so much trouble with sin is because there's really no competition to what gets in their head. All they hear is the the world's ideas, the world's teaching, the world's philosophies on life. And so this then becomes their mindset. This becomes reality to them. And they need God's words to shine the light on the truth of the lies they've been hearing. But to keep you from the strange woman, he says, that flatters with her words. Flattery can have a very powerful effect on a man. Very powerful. The Hebrew word translated flattereth here, it has the idea of a smooth stone. But it literally means smooth or smooth words. In other words, she's not speaking rough to the man. She's speaking smooth to the man. Pleasant words to him. Notice that Solomon doesn't say we need to keep the commandments to keep us from the strange woman who dresses provocatively. Now that's a whole other topic in and of itself. But a woman, she can gain a man's attention and, and often does by dressing provocatively. But she can trap him best not by dressing provocatively but by speaking smoothly. Men have a God-given need for confidence and respect. If you were to talk to a man, and if you, well, if you could at least get the honesty of a man, and have him lay his heart open, you would see that man has this God-given need, craving, to have honor and respect. A man wants to be respected. I learned when I was in law enforcement that if you didn't want to have to fight a man, most of the time you could get by by respecting the man. Just treat him like a man, give him respect, and and, uh, let him be able to go to jail gracefully and honorably as, as much as possible. And, uh, and if you'll pay that respect to that man, you can avoid a whole lot of problems. But a man will fight to defend his respect before people's eyes and to keep from being shamed. And, uh, but they have this God-given need to, be, to feel confident in themselves and to be respected. And the reason is, is because God created man to be the image and glory of God. He created us to walk around, not in the proudness of our hearts, but to walk around bearing God's image. And you can't bear God's image if you're all slumped over and, and a mess. 1 Corinthians 
chapter 11, verse 7 says, that man, quote, is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. That says a lot. Man is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. That means when man's walking around, when man's conducting his business, he's representing God. When the woman's conducting her business, she should be giving honor and glory to her husband because she's representing him. Here's a kingdom truth. Being created to bear the glory of God, men have a God-given need to be respected and confident in their goings. Being created to bear the glory of God, men have a God-given need to be respected and confident in their goings. When a man is confident and he feels like he's being respected, he'll put forth his best performance. I guarantee it. And there is nobody that can build a man up like a woman. Nobody. You get a coach out there on the football team, he's slapping young men on the rear end and telling them they're tough and great. You get a, a, a Marine Corps sergeant telling people they're fighting machines and all that stuff. All right, that may boost your morale. Nothing will boost your morale like a woman putting her confidence in a man and in giving him praise. Nothing will boost that man up like that. I promise you. A woman can make a man feel like he's king of the mountain. A woman can make a man feel respected, honored, and confident. If a man's wife starts telling her husband how handsome he is, how smart he is, how good of, of a provider he is, maybe how nice his biceps look, whatever. If she'll start bragging on her husband, she'll begin to watch him walk a little bit taller. Watch him walk a little more confidence with his head up. Watch him feel a little more secure in the decisions he makes and, and be a little more bold about, and, and more masculine. He will. Deep down inside, every man wants to lift his head up and crow like a rooster. That's just what the way God made us. But a man can't crow like a rooster if he's getting henpecked. That's a kingdom truth. A man can't crow like a rooster if he's getting pecked by a hen. You just can't. As a wife, you have the power to build your husband up or tear your husband down to give him smooth words or rough words ladies you will never build your man up by putting him down you cannot build your man up by putting him down you can't find something that you don't like about him and then nag 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 and put him down and you this and you that and the other hoping that you putting him down will make him want to overcome that and rise above it you can't build a man up by putting a man down. Think of your husband like a fire. If you want a nice, warm fire, uh, but all you have is a smoldering, smoldering little flame, 
What do you do? You don't build the fire up by pouring water on it, do you? You don't say, well, I'll pour water on it. That'll make that fire want to go. It doesn't work that way. You don't pour water on the flame. You blow on the flame. In the same way, you have to build the fire in your husband by giving him more of what he needs to grow, not by giving it more of what will extinguish that fire within him. Can't expect to build him up if you're always cutting him down. Now suppose you have a man who's starving for a woman's attention, starving for his wife's attention. His wife's at home, she's always cutting him down, but a strange woman that Solomon's warning us about, she's building him up. She's speaking smoothly. She finds him attractive, smart, manly. And suddenly she makes him feel wanted, handsome, confident, masculine. By her flattery, she lays a trap for him that will ensnare him in adultery. But if that man has his confidence in Jesus... And he looks to the scriptures that Solomon's telling us. He, Solomon says, you have these commandments that will keep you from the flattery of the woman. There's some men, listen, your wife may be cutting you down at the house. You may not, you may not have the relationship you need. I hopefully everybody here does and everybody online does. But I know in reality that at least sometimes in marriages, it's not that way. And even if you're not getting the affirmation from the people you should, God's Word will give you the worth you need and you can find your identity, your value, your worth in Him. That goes for the women too. My value as a man comes from the fact that God loves me and gave His Son for me. My value as a man comes from the fact that God... It loves me enough that he would send his son out to get the, the one that went astray. I care that, I, he, he cares that much about me and about you. If you believe in Christ as your Savior, you are that one that Jesus went seeking and put you on his shoulders. And you're valuable to God. And Solomon says, you need the scriptures, the commandments to keep you from that. Solomon says, now in verse 6, for, I, at, for at the window of my house, I looked through my casement. He says, I, I was in my house one night and I, I looked out the window, verse 7, and beheld among the simple ones. I looked out and I, I looked out my window and I saw this simple-minded man. You know what a simple-minded man is? It's someone who doesn't think things through. They can't see past the nose on their face. It's a young man who thinks, well, this is a pretty woman. She's paying attention to me. I'd like to have a relationship with her. All he thinks about is the night that he'll have with her. But he doesn't consider the many days that he will have to face thereafter. Like he saw. Just think for an act for the moment. He thinks about uh, her cuteness, but not about the consequences of his actions. He's simple-minded. This is the type of young man Solomon said he saw one night. He said, I looked, and look back in your text, I discerned among the youths. 
I happen to notice that there was one particular young man who did not have the wisdom of God. He was, look in your text, a young man void of understanding. Void meaning empty or absent of understanding. God's wise commandments were missing in his life. He may have been taught them by his parents, but he didn't bind them on his fingers. They gave him the strings, he didn't tie them on. He may have read them in the scriptures, but he didn't write them on his heart. He didn't regard the warnings of God's word concerning the strange woman. So when Solomon looked out his window, he saw that young man, look now in verse 8, passing through the street near her corner. Now, do you remember Solomon's commandments a while back concerning the way of wicked men? Look with me in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. There we go. Man, they're right on it. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14 and 15, this is what Solomon said. Enter not into the path of the wicked. That means don't even step into it. And go not in the way of evil men. Don't walk down it. <laughs> Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. And pass away. This young man didn't do that. He's not following Solomon's command. He's not avoiding it. He's not fa uh, uh, keeping himself from passing by it. He's not turning from the strange woman's house and passing away. He is passing, Solomon says at this point, if you'll look here, passing through the street near her corner. Now watch this. This is very important. He's passing through the street near her corner. Now, he's not, at his, he's not at her house right now. Just in the area, you know. Through the street, close to the corner she lives on. That's the direction he's going. Now, the idea behind this here is this. Today, we don't walk over to a woman's house. What Solomon is saying here doesn't always go down the way Solomon's describing it. This is a proverb that needs to be applied. Solomon is talking about putting ourselves in the situation where we're headed the wrong direction. We're getting a little too close to the area where sin lives. You see? Walking through the street, getting close to the corner over there. Now remember, you can't go inside sin's house if you never go near the street where sin lives, right? You can't go near sin's house if you don't go near the street where sin lives. Someone used to, every time someone would come in at a, where I used to work, they would ask for directions, or if they asked for directions, there was always this little funny guy that would say, you can't get there from here. And they'd look at him real strange. But, you know, you can't... You, if, if I don't ever go down Main Street and Gun Barrel, I can't ever get inside Lowe's, right? It would be impossible for me to go inside that Lowe's store if I never get close to Main Street and Gun Barrel, Texas, because it's on Main Street. And you can't walk in Sin's house if you don't 
walk near the street where sin lives. Men, if you are texting another woman beside your wife, say, well, it's just a friend of mine. We're just friends. There's nothing sexual going on here. If you're texting casually, friend-like, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't send someone a, a, a text for business and ask them a business question and then stop. I'm talking about friend-like, casual-like, texting another woman beside your wife. Not sexual, just friend-wise. You're passing by that woman's house. You can't fall for a woman you don't spend time with. Plain and simple. Man, don't spend time with a woman that does not belong to you. It's just not right. You can't be talked into a woman's bed by a woman you don't talk to. Now, that's a good rule of thumb. You can't be talked into a woman's bed by a woman you don't talk to. Solomon told men, don't place yourselves in the vicinity of sin. But this simple-minded young man is going near sin's door. Solomon said he went down that street, look back in your text, and he went the way to her house. He should have turned down another block. But he went in that direction. You're around a woman, and y'all, you're at work. And you get comfortable talking to each other. You're, you're in a working relationship. I think that women, uh, idealistically, I think women should be at the house. I think men should go to work and women should be at the house. I think, I know, and I know a lot of times in our economy, the women have to earn money. I have nothing against a woman earning money. I have nothing against a woman having a job. But I believe idealistically, biblically, the man should be the main provider for the home, and the woman should be his helper. And she should be domesticated and taking care of that house. I tell you, it's a really good design God came up with. It works great. I, I love it. You like it, Tammy? It's pretty cool, isn't it? It's really cool. It's nice. She'll tell you all the time, I'm living the dream. I say, I'm living the dream. But it's really nice to do it God's way. And again, uh, there's nothing wrong with... With a woman having a job, sometimes you have to do that. But I'm saying, in today's society, we're, we're more and more women, because of social pressure, is how it started a lot. They started, you know, I don't want to be in the house cooking biscuits and being pregnant. I want to get out in the workplace, and I want to try to, you know, have equal this and equal that and equal the other. And next thing you know, you've got all these men and women together in places we're used to. You only had men hanging around. Or at least mostly men. And because of that, you're spending, a, you're spending more time with women in the workplace. And after a while, you develop close relationships with the people you spend a lot of time with. And then next thing you know, you can get comfortable with people. And a little teasy with people. And all it takes is just a little bit of suggestive language. To crack that door open. A little non-flirting kind of flirting. A little suggestive stuff. Man, I've heard it so many times at work from people. Not to me. But I've heard other people doing that. That cutting up and getting on a sexual type 
of tone when they speak to each other. And uh, I tell you, you start going that direction, you're walking around that corner, you're headed that way, because the more comfortable you get, it's going to get worse and worse and worse if you're not careful. Many young people have fallen in that trap. In relationships, maybe they're dating someone. And they start off and they say, well, you know, we're going to wait until we're married before we have intimacy with each other. And they start off like that. And then, next thing you know, they start, before they go home, on the date, and the boy drops her back off at her mom and dad's house. Uh, they stop off and decide they're going to look at the moonlight for a while. And they're in the back seat of a car, and they say, "Well, we're just going to kiss." And we're in the they're in the back seat of the car. They're all alone. It's nighttime. There's no one around them. You know what happens when you do that? You're walking the direction. Of sin's house. That's what you're doing. You're headed that direction. You say, well, we're, we're not in the house. We're just going that way. We, we, young people will start off. And not just young people. Today we've got marriage, divorce, turnovers. And people start dating again. Christians find themselves in the position of having to look for a spouse again. And you know what happens? They can make the same mistakes young people can. That are dating for the fact. I think they're they're prone to make them quicker if they've been married before. And so what happens is you put yourself in the position to say, "Well, we'll put stops in here, and we'll we'll go this far. We'll start walking toward sin's house, but we won't go any any closer than the curb. We'll stop at the curb." And so. One thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And next thing you know, they're up at sin's curb. And they're not married yet. They say, well, we'll just check the mailbox. We'll see through the Amazon packages at the door as time goes by. Next thing you know, they get up to the door they promised they wouldn't walk in. And next thing you know, that door opens. And shoo, they go in. It's too late. Psalm said, this is what I saw. I saw young men going the wrong direction. Here is, is something that you can always bank on right here. Don't look at something and say, well, is this a sin or is that a sin? Is it a sin for me to put my hands on a woman in a certain place if, as long as I, we don't go all the way? Well, let me ask you something. Is it a sin to head down the street toward her house? The Bible says whoever heads down the street toward that house is void of understanding. Yes, it's a sin. Don't head down that house. If, if, if the direction you're going is taking you closer to the place you shouldn't be, then stop going that direction. I'll repeat that again. 
If the, this is not just for adultery. This is for anything. If the direction you are going is taking you closer to the place you should not spiritually be, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. Head the other direction. He went the way to her house. Verse 9. He did it in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. He did it under the cover of night, of darkness. He took this path when he didn't think he'd be seen by other people. See, that's the, that's the, 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 the point that Solomon's getting to. A lot of people think, well, I'll go this direction, but I'll keep this hidden from the public. I'll go this direction, I'll keep it hidden from the church. I'll go this direction, I'll keep it hidden from my parents. The darkness of the night allowed him to feel that he could act in secrecy and travel conveniently to her house without being seen. Here's a kingdom truth. Dark streets lead to dark sins. Dark streets lead to dark sins. Don't, don't put yourself in a place where you are in the darkness headed the wrong direction. If you and a young man or, or a young man and a young woman or two men and women who aren't married, if you're not hanging out in the twilight, in the darkness, in other words, if you're not hanging out concealed, then you won't have any problem stepping into dark sands. If you're out in the light and you're exposed to the public, that's the best protection you can have. You're going to go out with a young woman? Go out with her in the public. Go out where you can be seen. Go out with other people. And then take her back home and have someone there. Have a, a chaperone or, 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 or something. But don't head the wrong direction and put yourself in a dark place because those two things at the same time are, 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 are very bad. Dark streets lead to dark sins. Don't be alone. Be seen. And uh, again, I, I, I think I've told you this before, but I'll close with this. Because uh, I couldn't help but think about it again. When, when I was bringing Tammy from Indiana back to Texas and I was so tired in that U-Haul truck and I thought man I got to get some sleep and I pulled over the side of the road I tried to go to sleep in that truck and all I could think of was someone breaking the window and robbing me and I, the least little thing I heard I, would, I, I couldn't do it I'd drive and I'd feel like I was going to fall asleep and we were going to crash and I thought to myself alright well what if I got a hotel room with two different beds and I started, I thought, Richard, you can't do that. You just can't do it. You know what that would be doing? It would be walking the wrong direction in another state where, where people don't know you. In other words, you're walking down a dark street. And then you get there and the next thing you know, you say, well, you know, uh, no one knows. You can't be seen. You see, that's the darkness there. That's how the darkness works. Don't put yourself in the position where the devil can checkmate you 
and ring you in to sin's house. With that, we'll go ahead and close. Anyway, I drove back sleepy, folks, but thank God we made it. Five-hour energy, that's what did it. Gift from heaven that night. Yes, sir, brother. Short poem. Brother Shepherd has reduced this uh, scripture to poetry. Not yet. The stranger flatters using words that draw the carnal man. Her smooth but empty songs of praise will take him by the hand. Ye simple man, pass not her house, the word of God doth say. But foolish feet have led you there, sin's price you now will pay. But if and when that shallow man will God's commandments heed, that strange and wicked woman's words cannot fulfill his need. Wow, that's good. What is that? Oh, I thought it was like mood music to the poem or something. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Brother Shepherd. That was a very wonderful poem. We'll go ahead and close the word of prayer. And, and remember, if you wanted to contribute privately uh, to Brother Neil's trip, you can feel free to drop a little in the plate. And if not, that's fine too. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. Thank you for giving us words to protect us from words. Thank you, Father God, that uh, in the competition of ideas, we can rest assured, Lord, that resting in your word will keep us from the wrong path, keep us out of the dark streets, walking in the light, in the safety of the fellowship of our God. I pray, Father, Lord, that you'll keep us uh, walking the direction you would have us to go, stepping in the commandments, in the safety of what you have given us in your word, the Bible. In Jesus' precious name, we love you. Please give everyone a safe trip home tonight. Amen.